Welcome, everyone, to All About Windows Phone Insight podcast number 128. I'm Steve Litchfield. With me, uh, I have Rafe Blanford. Hello, everybody. Yes, great to be here. Time for another uh, All About podcast. One of my highlights of my week. <laughs> we did uh, just a, a few items of discussion. One left over from last week's podcast, but uh, a few items of news, and a few software stories just to kick things off. But the, the longest press release I've ever seen, Rafe, from Microsoft, all two lines of it, and <laughs> pushed out in a blog post, just announcing casually, oh, by the way, all that legal stuff with Samsung, that's all done and dusted and we've come to an agreement. So they really were pushing that out in a very low-key manner. Uh, I'm assuming it means they've given in to Samsung and basically Samsung don't have to pay them all those millions after all. But it's great to see that the, the, the lawyers are now out of business and that uh, normal proceedings can happen, including hopefully some Samsung Windows phones in 2015. Yeah, it's an interesting one, this. I mean, it's not the typical patent case where someone's suing someone else exactly. I mean, it might have got to that eventually. But this was really a dispute over what the levels of the royalty levels should be for specific patents. I mean, Samsung had already basically put its hands up and said, yeah, we owe you money to both Microsoft and Nokia. But when the uh, acquisition of Nokia's device and services division happened, you'll remember that most of the patents actually stayed with Nokia, except quite a lot of the device-related ones ended up with Microsoft. And so I suspect there was some discussion, probably the polite way of putting it, over how much money uh, Samsung was then going to pay Microsoft and presumably also pay uh, what's left of Nokia as well. Um, Nokia actually still has a very significant patent library. Intellectual property is going to be one of their business areas. I mean, it's the advanced technology division. It's, you know, that's the thing that comes out of the Nokia Research Lab, but also it's kind of a big patent holding thing. Um, so this is actually to do with Microsoft rather than Nokia, but I suspect there was some renegotiation going on. And it's kind of a well-known fact that Microsoft has a lot of mobile patents, particularly related to kind of operating systems and platforms and smartphones. It's actually really a testament to the fact that Microsoft has been around a long time. I mean, if you think back to the days of Windows Mobile, really, along with uh, Palm and Symbian, it was one of the first of the three big smartphone platforms. I mean, I think arguably Microsoft never did quite as well as it had hoped, and certainly I think it had bigger ambitions in its space, as probably has been demonstrated by subsequent events. Um, but nonetheless, by being in there at the kind of the dawn, it did have a, a significant number of patients. Of course, they also relate to its uh, activity in developing Windows desktop platform. Of course, some of those things come across to both areas. And so it's been left in this situation where actually a lot of Android device makers are paying Microsoft patent royalties. Um, and there's you know, a whole discussion around this. And Google doesn't actually have that same kind of um, legacy, I guess, because Android Young doesn't have that Windows tradition. But for Samsung, of course, you're paying a per device royalty fee. And when you're the biggest phone manufacturer in the industry, even despite its recent problems, that's going to add up very quickly. And so it was easily the most significant of Microsoft's Android patent agreements. And hence, it's actually a pretty big deal that this has been signed off. So what we're probably going to see is a pretty significant bump in Microsoft's kind of mobile divisions revenue in their kind of next set of financial results because presumably Samsung will be doing some back payments for the you know, payments it's missed and also it will have some going on 
forward. And so what this, I mean, Microsoft in one sense could say that it's using this to then subsidize the development of uh, Windows Phone and its other mobile activities. In practice, of course, it doesn't really work like that. Um, but it does certainly mean that there's kind of a more even playing field because, you know, Android devices, in order to use some of their functionality, are reliant on these Microsoft patents. And therefore, it's sort of only reasonable that they should actually have to pay for that. And that then gets reflected in device cost and all the other things. And so, um, although it's kind of a very short press release and it's all a bit boring in some ways when we talk about patents, it, actually, this is pretty significant in terms of kind of the money that Microsoft has invested in mobile and kind of the working out where the costs of building a phone come from because although we talk a lot about the bill of materials we don't often talk about the licensing involved and so a good example of this is how it's actually more expensive to buy a 4g phone not just because the actual 4g chipsets themselves cost a bit more and actually that's become less and less true as time's gone by but because of the royalties or the license fees you have to pay for the technology associated with 4g you know lte is actually more expensive than 3g and it's partly because that's you know building on the top it's just the way these things work um so actually you know it's one of those costs that people don't often think about but is actually pretty significant as uh, especially when we're talking about the rise of these cheaper devices and i think it'd be important in the mid-tier i suspect proportionally that kind of patent fees and royalty fees and licensing fees make up a bigger proportion of device cost when we talk about the mid-tier and the low tier than they ever do at the high end yeah yeah okay uh, and my final bit of that that was just uh do you really think we'll see many samsung windows phones or windows 10 devices in 2015 my gut feel is that we will but they won't happen until summer or maybe early autumn um so that they tie in with windows 10 for phones and they also tie in with the the of course the holiday season and that phone buying season so i think we will see something and probably something quite high end possibly based on something like the the, the galaxy s6 or whatever android or whatever ever ends up being called uh, a windows 10 version of that and i think we're looking at the autumn yeah, I mean, they've certainly, going by the past history, that's what they've done. And having had this dispute out of the way, it, I would imagine, would help with that just from a, a corporate tactics point of view. Um, but it will really depend on whether Samsung thinks it's worth continuing that investment. I think given, you know, the questions around its relationship with Google and Android that are sort of ongoing and what it's done with things like Tizen, it's big enough in terms of you know the investments it makes that the cost of doing a windows phone device is going to be pretty small for the company and just keeping alive that knowledge of how to work with windows in the phone form factor is going to be worthwhile for them it's kind of like a almost a hygiene investment something they'll do and yeah sure sure they'll try and sell it and try and push it but i mean it is noticeable that they've never really pushed their windows devices in the same way they have that android device and i don't think it's you know uh, a significant part of their big overall all strategy but uh, yeah i think there's a, you know, a very good chance that they will produce uh, a windows device and actually you know we've said before we actually think windows 10 is going to be a good opportunity for microsoft to sort of push a bit in the mobile market and i think samsung will probably recognize that fact too and all that adds you know, to making it more likely they will do a, a windows 10 in the phone form factor device uh, not quite sure what we're going to have to call it i mean personally i'm going to keep on calling it windows phone for the time being but in fact it's going to be windows 10 on a phone yeah <laughs> Uh, moving on, oh, there's a couple of bits of software I wanted to mention, Rafe. Now, Office Lens has been a bit of a, a star in the Windows Phone platform for uh, about a year now. It's a first-party Microsoft title. And one thing I've only just noticed, Rafe, is that the, the, the idea behind Office Lens, obviously, is that you use it to snap a document or a business card or a whiteboard, and it does all the fancy aspect, ratio, and perspective 
um, calculations for you and then stretches these thing into two-dimensional format and then basically takes a photograph um, and an image and then processes it. But I just noticed just now in the update this week, um, which actually includes saving as a fully searchable, fully editable PDF file, is that the processing, whether it's to a uh, Microsoft Office document or to PDF, all that happens on the server. I just noticed that what happens is you t you do the stuff, and the the local application does all that stretching for you. It then um, saves it as a photograph, and then uploads the result, the image, to Microsoft servers, where especially presumably some special Office Lens server program then does all the fancy processing and, and calculations, and does all it's basically the heavyweight job of of chugging through that image and working out where all the text is and saving it in the appropriate format. But it absolutely works brilliantly. I, I just took a random page from a manual, um, all rather crumpled, <laughs> in, in indeterminate light, snapped it, and within about 30 seconds, I had a fully editable, searchable PDF up on my OneDrive, which is really quite impressive. It is, and this is a tool that I use all the time uh, for work and when I'm trying to document stuff. I mean, one of the things I like about it as well is, you know, you will get just the portion of the document that you want and actually it's at a relatively reasonable size and so it makes it easier to share with colleagues or with contacts. And as you say, you know, that idea of combining the app with uh, effectively a cloud service, I mean, it's very much in the keeping with the whole Microsoft thing that they've been talking about recently with Hotel Nadella describing the company as mobile first, cloud first. And in some ways, this is almost the most emblematic representation of that at the moment because it marries the two. In terms of that kind of searchable PDF, it's, I mean, obviously it's doing optical character recognition to, to do this. And, you know, it's using the same technology that's used in Microsoft OneNote that will convert text into kind of a searchable content. Um, it will sometimes work with handwriting recognition. I haven't tried out this new office lens to see whether it will work with that. Uh, it tends not to be terribly good at recognizing my uh, handwriting in one mine <laughs> because it's a bit of a, a spider squirrel. But I have seen it. If you make an effort to be a, a little bit tidy, it will work. And obviously, that's a, a technology that's improving all the time. But I think this is a great example of where a mobile device really does something that you just can't really do in any other way. It's that quick capture, uh, which, you know, of course, you could do it manually with a, a camera and then load it on and everything like that but it's also that ability to then you know you grab the corners you say which bit of the document you want or and it's actually pretty good at recognizing things automatically particularly if you do it in good lighting conditions um, it'll also work for flip charts and for whiteboards as well and you know in those kind of office environments where you're doing collaborative thinking or you're having a meeting you're taking notes works fantastically well that you can take a quick picture and then before everyone's got back to their desk, you can email them the meeting notes and people are terribly impressed when you manage to do it. And <laughs> you, know, you marry it with something like a, a 9.30 or an 8.30, you've got a very decent camera on there that even in quite dodgy lighting conditions can actually you know, capture it very well. And then it's actually doing kind of auto enhancement in the background and make sure that everything looks the same. So you'll get rid of shadows and things like that. So it's one of those tools which, um, you know, obviously there are kind of equivalents available on Android and iPhone, but I don't think I've any, seen anything that has quite the workflow sorted out, particularly if you obviously live in the uh, Microsoft ecosystem. Um, and this is a good example of where there's a, an enhancement to Office that you won't get on the other platforms. And uh, you know, obviously that integration, you know, with one OneNote is great if you use that, but it's really great to see it. Um, come saving it to a pdf because that's kind of one of those universal sharing document formats and it would work great for text or for notes or for scribbles or pictures or whatever you happen to use it for so yeah definitely thumbs up for me on that i look forward to using the new version okay yeah i also wanted to give a shout out to lumia storyteller obviously nokia storyteller back in the day because um 
ever since uh, Windows Phone started, we've had this Photos Hub or Photos application, and it's been getting progressively more archaic, Rafe. I'm not sure whether you agree or not, but uh, for example, <laughs> for example, you can't, when you're tagging photographs for deletion, you can't tag videos. You have to manually long tap on each video and then choose delete from the pop-up menu. That's just one aspect of it. Also, Photos doesn't understand about these new Lumia Camera 5 rich capture stuff. So you have to, you have to go back through the camera itself interface and then swipe back through the, the top left thumbnail back, 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 back till you find the one you want to edit. It's a real pain, but I have noticed and people noticed in the comments on our stories that Lumia Storyteller um, does support not only um, these rich capture um, editing directly, as it links in with the appropriate modules in the OS, um, but also it, it lets you include videos in tagging stuff for sharing or deletion. So I've got this theory, Rafe, that Lumia Storyteller will actually be renamed um, Photos and it will take the place of the existing Photos app, if this has not been confusing enough. Uh, and of course, that that renamed Lumia Storyteller Stroke Photos will actually be part of the universal app system that's currently in the Windows 10 um, technical preview, which I've been running on my Windows laptop here, uh, that which has they have certain similarities. And you can absolutely see that, that those two applications will be merged very very soon in the future and that they will completely take the place of the existing Windows Phone Photos app, which uh, people listening to this will have been using for the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be taking that back because I think you're right. I mean, whether it's a, a direct copy of the application, I mean, I think that's less likely. It's going to be more of the technologies or some of the ideas from it. We kind of saw the same thing happen to the, the camera app and actually we're going to see that happen again, I think, with uh, Windows 10 Phone Edition, whereby you'll see what's effectively the Lumia camera become the standard uh, Windows Phone um, camera software. I agree. I mean, Storyteller, as well as having the kind of enhancements to do the, the storytelling of the title, actually it's most useful for me as a, a photo viewer, and especially when I'm using a device where I've got hundreds and sometimes in, in, in a case a thousand photos on the phone. It's actually quite hard to navigate through it with photos, and um, Storyteller isn't perfect by any means, but it does make things better. And it's a problem that I think we all face as we're taking more and more photos with our camera phone. I think you, know, you talk about the if you look at some of the analyst figures, there's a suggestion that this year more photos will be taken than in all of the years combined previously, or certainly all the film years and things, you know, stats like that is, you know, billions of photos getting to the point where, you know, it's 2 billion a day. So that translates or gets close to, you know, a trillion photos in a year. So storyteller to bring it back to Windows phone, at least here. Yes, it's a, a better way of doing things. I still feel that no one's really cracked how to have all this happen automatically and obviously using location, which is one of the things that Storyteller can do, does help with that sort of thing and it does the, the, the division by date better, I think, than the standard photos app. What I really like about it, as you uh, were hinting at there, is the ability to do that editing of the kind of the computational photography images, you know, to do that uh, fixing of you know, the rich capture or whatever it happens to be. And it also applies to things like Cinemagraph and those other kind of extended format photos. And we're only going to see more of those. And so that actually needs to be thought about and, and fixed sooner. And it kind of frustrates me that the, the Photos app itself hasn't kept up to pace with the camera app. Um, and, you know, it's actually quite awkward going back and editing old photos now. And really the only way you can do it is storytelling. I, I suspect a lot of people don't know that. And so, you know, 
there's that immediate edit case but if you're looking at a photo you know, a couple of weeks later that's a lot of photos you have to scroll through to, <laughs> yeah to to get back and so it really needs fixed through later i really hope they do it for windows 10 because frankly at the moment it's you know you've got this lovely camera interface and then actually the way of getting your photos afterwards isn't isn't too good and you know I will say I'm always reluctant to see two applications that do the same thing. It was something which blighted Symbian for years. You know, there were multiple ways to play video or even look at photos. And I'm not terribly keen on the idea of having two photo apps on my phone, or at least not by default. And, you know, yes, I'm a power user, I can cope with it. But at the same time, having multiple ways of doing things, I, I, I tend to get a bit hesitant about it. In this instance, I'll let it go because it's genuinely doing something extra. But um, I hope it does all get integrated into a, a single application rather than sort of you know, be split between multiple applications and say the same thing about the camera application. It got very confusing when you had Nokia cameras, it was then, and the standard Windows Phone camera application. So, uh, I mean, there's previous form for this, but I guess there's been this continuous development of the software and um, you'll always find something to moan about, or I think we will, uh, because, you know, it seems like it's a constantly evolving situation. But if you aren't using uh, Lumia Storyteller, it's absolutely worth uh, downloading and getting it, just as it is with uh, something like uh, Lumia Moments as well. That's another one where uh, arguably it should be integrated into the camera or the photos workflow and, and hasn't really been yet. But um, that's probably a subject for another rant. <laughs> well, Disho Lumia Creator Studio, although I did explain yes. in my recent workflow article that there are reasons why some of these art these applications are standalone rather than integration of the camera, not least the fact that the camera app would just get too slow and unwieldy. So I, I do trust uh, Microsoft and the ex-Nokia people to get this right. And the workflow does seem to be slowly improving and certainly uh, running Windows 10 on my laptop. And it's, it's amazing how much stuff is now common um, and is familiar. And I'm really getting quite excited about 2015. And I'm sorry if that makes me sound like a Microsoft <laughs> fanboy. I'm recording this on a Mac, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I'm quite impressed genuinely with what Microsoft's doing. Um, and and we, we, yeah. we should probably say there that it's actually not about being separate apps that's the problem. It's about the kind of the workflow between them. Yeah. I think one of the things we're going to see in the next few years is, you know, this kind of we talked about it before breaking the app side of it, but sort of deep linking internally between apps and you're not actually aware you're moving from one to the other. And that technology is already there. We see it quite a lot of the time, you know, the sharing framework in Windows Phone is kind of an example of that. But it it is quite hard to get right compared to the kind of if you like the old model of apps existing entirely in isolation on their own. And you see the same thing actually in the Android and the iOS world. You know, you expect something to work in a certain way. And when it doesn't, it kind of, it breaks the experience and it's quite a jolt when it doesn't work. And it's actually like that with the Photoshop. I mean, certainly when I was first pl playing with uh, the denim update and with Rich Capture, I sort of went into the Photoshop and just had this expectation I'd be able to get into the editing mode and was rather surprised when I couldn't. And so it actually makes it harder in some ways to develop apps and these workflows because you have to upload them or update them all at the same time to make sure that everything's working and increasingly we are going to see um, apps with dependencies on other apps and uh, there are various ways of solving this and you you know it's a bit like the document extension that currently exists in windows phone and indeed on the desktop you, know, you have a certain file type associated with you know a particular app and then you can launch and you choose which one you want and sometimes you can get more complicated than that. It can take you into a certain bit of functionality. But there needs to be a way for that to be disclosed to other apps and sort of an automatic discovery process. You can say, I'm an image editor. I'm the way you do these thing to photos. Um, but then having that surfaced in other apps is obviously equally important. And so it's something I've been thinking about a bit recently. 
there isn't an easy way to do this, but it needs to be relatively seamless and it needs to work every time because otherwise it will get very confusing for, for users. And I mean, if we sort of get annoyed by it, I can imagine <laughs> it will just get even more frustrating when you kind of, you find it, it works one way the first time you do something and you try and do it another way. And as far as you're concerned, you're doing it the same way. You might have gone a slightly different route in and it doesn't work. So that's something to watch out for. And I guess it just speaks to the increasing complexity of the smartphone platforms. And, you know, you're going to see the same thing happen when you get payment built into the platform. And obviously Apple pays the example of that at the moment. And why doesn't it work in the browser? Well, actually, that's that's coming in all the wallet things as well, uh, where I think some of the uptake of this kind of functionality, which is you know really great and it really makes a difference to your smartphone usage, but it actually needs to still be easy to use. And uh, as I say, trying to move away from this app as a, a silo, isolated thing, and actually to, more towards, if you like, a, a web of apps is certainly a trend that's coming or, you know, deep linking kind of emerge from the shadows in 2014 to be more in 2015, but don't really expect it to be perfected in, in 2016. And the kind of early struggles these signs when we're talking about this thing with uh, camera and photos and the editing process is, I think, a really good example of how this is going to be quite a, a pain point in the, in the future. Yeah, yeah. And now, if if people are detecting a certain imaging theme through this podcast, and I do apologise, we do get a, a complaint that we spend too much time on the camera, but this podcast is is really about generic imaging and the ways of manipulating photos and images on your Windows phone. And I think that probably applies to just about every listener. So this isn't, although we may touch on the specific camera functions at the end of this podcast, the honest Rafe, this is uh, me trying to be all things to all people yeah. and to have uh, a generic imaging. Uh, and and that, that's right. And actually the things we're talking about here and the way this works is actually you can apply this just as much to other processes. So you can think about yeah. office documents. And we've had in the past that you know, problems attaching certain types of documents to emails or not being able to upload them to online services. And there's another example of this kind of um, the way apps have to link with each other and be able to interact with each other in a way that I don't think they really have before. It's not they haven't before, but you know it's been a more limited set of scenarios. And as you're doing more with phones, you, you're having to do more. So actually what we're talking about here, I think is very broadly applicable. It's just probably most apparent in imaging because it's one of those processes which is not only very popular, but actually has tasks that take place across several different types of experience you know it's the actual shooting of the photo it's the reviewing it later on it's the editing it's the sharing all of which are you know while they're different experiences, you kind of expect them to all happen from one seamless you know interface and actually your journey through them will vary each time and so the workflow that we talk about you know is very important but that's going to be just as critical in other types of um, applications and you know the sharing framework i think is the people will be most familiar with but it will apply to work and i think increasingly as more and more services become available on your phone you know it's going to apply more widely i mean think about things like um, i don't know uber or halo those on-demand car services you know you'd expect to be able to access them when you're looking at events or ticketing things and that starts to get very interesting how do those services fit in how do you choose which one and so payment is another great example so yes it's uh, an imaging specific example but i think this actually applies really quite broadly yeah, yeah, and I should just mention briefly that uh, having also had got one foot in the Android world, the world of Android Gallery Stroke Photos Stroke, stroke TouchWiz Gallery, and there's an HTC's version, and it's a complete and utter mess how you view your photos, how you store them, how you edit them. If anything, I guess with more manufacturers, it's even more of a mess. So the grass really isn't any greener elsewhere. Yeah. And look at iOS and the kind of the photo stream and the mess that's 
yeah. that's, that's happened there and people getting confused about what's in the cloud and what's not. You know, as I say, this mobile cloud first world may offer kind of some kind of nirvana, but actually it's going to be quite hard to get there, especially as we increase the complexity of services and the things yeah. we do with the phones. And on that very subject, linking very slinkly into what we left over from the previous podcast, which was a question I left you with, Rafe, in that, uh, let's say people take a photograph on their Windows phone, uh, and we rely on, in the settings, uh, photos plus camera, and we rely on that auto-backing up those photographs, as you've so chosen, uh, by Wi-Fi or Wi-Fi and 3G to your to your OneDrive, to your camera roll folder. Now, the question is, what should get backed up? And obviously, the, the simplistic answer is, well, it backs up the photo, but which version? Let's say with a Lumia 930 Rafe in your hand, you take a photograph, um, you get a five by default, a five megapixel version, which are designed for sharing and passing around. And the oversample version, you also get a 20 megapixel or thereabouts a high resolution version. And then let's say you've got it on denim, Rafe, and you've also got um, living images. You then get some living, living images animations, as it were. Then let, let's say you take a rich capture photo. You've then got uh, up to three separate underlying 20 megapixel shots all of which representing the image in different forms, all of which then get um, combined into that 20 megapixel version, but not for quite a few seconds after you've taken it, by which time the backup routines may well have jumped in and uploaded something. So what should get backed up? Should it should it wait 10 minutes and see what you end up with after your initial reflection and then back up that? Should it back up something immediately in case your phone suddenly dies? It's a really complicated issue. Should it back up all of them? Should it back up every single one of the aforementioned files, meaning you, you lose 100 megabytes of your OneDrive every time you take a photo? And the, the answer that at the moment is that uh, Microsoft Stroke uh, X Nokia, they back up the initial um, 20 megapixel uh, image before any processing, before any rich capture, before any extra stuff is done to it. And I think that's probably a good enough compromise in that even if you lose your phone, even if something goes horribly wrong, okay, you may have lost your, your finer edits and the particular decision of how you wanted to combine the different HDR versions. Um, you may you may have lost your reframing if you've done some reframing to the new five megapixel shot, but at least you've got a photo, you've got a 20 megapixel high resolution shot with which you can do something uh, in a photo editor, either on a phone or on desktop later. So I think they'll leave it exactly as at the moment. But it's, it was a very good question raised in our comments. And uh, there really isn't, apart from what currently happens, Rafe, I'll be interested in your comments and what you think and you'd like to happen. Well, uh, from my personal point of view, what I'd like to see happen is it to back up everything. And then it gets a bit more complicated. If you actually apply edits to the photo, should it then back up those and change your backup? And if you then are making edits in OneDrive, and I'm assuming yeah. a theoretical future where you can make edits based on, you know, these smart photos, should that then sync back to the phone? So you just have kind of one thing <laughs> everywhere. Uh, and, you know, I say it partly in jest, but in an ideal world, actually, that's what I'd like to happen. Uh, but I recognize there are actually limits on cloud storage space. And I think actually the bigger constraint these days is really the, uh, the bandwidth. Because although there is 4G and there is Wi-Fi, that by any means isn't universal. And most people aren't on unlimited data plans and they may even be on cap broadband as well. And so, you know, when you start talking about 10 megabytes for you know, an image and you've got maybe a, a five gigabyte cap on your home broadband, which it does apply to some packages, it's actually not all that many images you have to take before you, you know, if you take, say, 100 images, that's, you know, 20% of your home broadband gone. And I, I, I don't think it's difficult to take that much image, that many images in a month. And particularly if you start, you know, having things go back and forth. And so it, it's a quite 
interesting debate. More than that, also, of course, every time you're doing a data connection, that's actually one of the most power-intensive things you can do on your phone. And you know, there's various ways around this. You know, you do it at night when it's plugged in, when you know, data is perhaps uh, more available as well. Um, but I think given the current context and bearing in mind you you know it's going to be different for each market as well so you know it's kind of all right to do that sort of thing in the uk and the us and maybe scandinavia where you've got kind of this ubiquitous connectivity but think about a market like india where you know data availability just doesn't match what you get um, elsewhere and so you know it's actually a really tricky question you know and, and so i think you're right they probably have got it right and you know people will be aware you can actually change the settings to you know back up at lower quality or indeed not back up at all yeah. um, and i know some people do that because they're worried about their you know their data allowance um i would like to say that you know you should have more control over this um and that would be the ideal world but actually adding more settings in isn't necessarily a good thing you have to still choose a good default and you know that 20 megapixel back it kind of does make sense and ultimately you know, a lot of the edits that get made you probably you, you could do um in photoshop or some other graphics editor and and more to the point actually if there's an image that you know is really precious to you you're probably gonna have sent it somewhere else and there's still a option to back it up manually or you've shared it onto social media but it's a, it's a tricky one and actually i'm starting to get to the point where i'm taking enough photos with this rich capture or the 4k videos that managing the space on my device is becoming a bit of a problem and even with something <laughs> like the 830 where i've got 128 gigabyte uh, micro SD card in it, it's still going to be a, a, a problem. And the amount of media capture that's, that's happening is, is really all that. And you know, people talk about Moore's law and the way everything's increasing in capacity. And yes, it is. But since we always find more stuff to do with it, and I think this is a great example of that. I mean, I, I would hope that in a few years time, it, the problem has kind of gone away as, you know, there's, well, say five years when we're starting to get 5G and Wi-Fi is even more ubiquitous and, you know, the cost of memories come down. So, by default, you get 128 gigabytes in your phone. But no doubt by that time, the sensor will go off or something else fancy will be happening. So it's going to be an ongoing problem. And I, yeah. I don't know, is there, an, is there an easy answer? I mean, yes, I think they've probably got the default right. Is it what I, I want? No. And I've kind of hinted at I want the ability to do this editing across device. And I think particularly when we move into this Windows 10 world, I can very much see myself wanting to get my tablet or my computer out and say, oh, I took some photos on my phone today. I want to edit them and I want to edit them in a kind of computational photography way or computational imaging. And, and that's, you know, looking at, say, rich capture and, you know, changing the effectively what are the hdr settings or you know tuning the flash level when you combine several photos together and actually that's probably something i'd rather do on a bigger screen device but of course that's an experience that just isn't there yet but that would have to be enabled by some kind of cloud sync up to onedrive and as you say you know onedrive itself you know you get the, the free portion i mean i have got unlimited space because i'm an office 365 subscriber but you no know, Actually, that that question, that discussion, it's a really intriguing one. I mean, do do you have a, a a personal preference? I mean, you said you think they probably got the default right, but I mean, as a individual user, would you like it to go further than that? No, I I I'm I'm very happy with uh, a twenty megapixel, uh, what is that, six or seven megabytes um, upload per image. I would like a delay actually because I I, I find I take an awful lot of photographs that I think no, nah, that's not quite right. I'll try again, and I might try three or four times on a particular scene. And I really don't want all four of them to be streaming up the wire, clogging up the the, the cellular bandwidth, um, and eating them under my battery life. 
when I only actually wanted the fourth one, I, th- I do wish sometimes they'd put like a 30 second or a one minute delay in so that you could, it would think, okay, well, uh, he's taken four photographs, but only one of them now exists. So I'll back up that one. So I, I, when I look in my OneDrive um, on, online in a desktop, I then see every single one of my really bad photographs and I have to manually go through and delete all the gash ones, which is a bit frustrating. But uh, so there are a bit more intelligence there, I think. Uh, could be applied and that kind of links into the original commenter's question was that he'd like a five minute delay so that if you were say taking a photograph with rich capture and then think oh well i'll i'll uh, i'll twiddle with the the settings then it, you've got five minutes to do it and after that it, t- it backs up the result of whatever you've just edited so the, i think some kind of delay some kind of extra intelligence at the phone end i think would help here so so here's an interesting thought you know um you talk about rich capture as an example there if you had uploaded everything in the background and you sort of made an edit on the phone you know a week later actually you could just tell the server what you've done and it could do the work in the background to change things you don't actually have to upload all the images again you just have to kind of upload the instructions of what you've done and so there you know it it gets more complicated than you know you might think and i mean the case in point you're saying a five minute delay I, i would absolutely agree with because you know i often take multiple pictures of the same thing we'll go back and then choose one i'm not always very good about deleting it actually i sort of wish there was a way to manage that better and you know certainly my camera roll on OneDrive is pretty unwieldy now trying to find a specific <laughs> photo when there's you know uh, I, I don't know i think it's several thousand photos probably yeah. upwards of five or six thousand photos on there um and i had you know i basically just scroll at random and try and find the right date and it's it's guesswork pretty much and so i get frustrated by that and uh, to a similar extent you get it on the phone i mean i've got fewer photos on there but it's also an interesting one if you choose to manually back up your photos which i know a lot of people still do you know they plug it in they mount it to uh, um, a usb drive or actually sort of through mtp uh, and then we'll take all the, the files off but it actually gets confusing you look at it now and actually there's a whole bunch of extra files you know the thm and the, the <laughs> effectively zip files you know well do i back those up or not and actually it sort of feels to me like there's there could be more help with that and there could be a photos app on my uh on my computer or on my tablet whatever i'm using to do the backup that sort of could actually read those and do something interesting with them because of course as soon as you take them off the phone they pretty much become useless and yet actually i still yeah. i still might want to do something with them um and you know it, say that could apply you know to the cloud onedrive but it's, it's actually quite you know it's a really intriguing question um i don't think i have one answer to it but um the more i think about it the more complicated it gets and the more my brain is sort of slightly bending around it so yeah. I, I can sort of see exactly why you come back to well let's just upload the 20 megapixel image but i would definitely vote for having sort of a 15 minute delay on it i mean you can achieve something similar to that by sort of having it only upload over wife or when power is present or something like that but um you know I think by default, a five minute delay wouldn't hurt. On the other hand, I've certainly taken an image and then popped into OneDrive with the expectation that it's there pretty much immediately. Um, because, you know, I've taken, it's actually in the kind of the work scenario, I've taken pictures of something, um, that I then want to immediately edit or email on the desktop. And, um, you know, so actually even that goes both ways. So yeah, it's a, it's a really great question. And thank you very much for that comment. Yeah, and I actually want to echo what you just said. It's a possible suggest solution in terms of uh, when you do start editing stuff on the desktop or in the cloud, that uh, rather than actually sync entire images back down to the phone, it would just sync down your your appropriate changes or tweaks as a set of settings, and then the phone software would know exactly how to combine the images it already had. So I think that's probably a clever solution. Oh, I've got a simpler solution, even that, Rafe, is that we take the cameras out of our phones, we go back to 35 millimeter film, which at least you knew where you stood with. 
<laughs> I would do a final imaging thing, which I wanted to just, just tease for next week. I think it's a game we're running too long, I think. But um, I did do and put up today a, a look at Lumia Camera 5 on the 830, which is interesting because it's not a pure view oversampling camera in the same manner as the 930 and the 1520 were, which we looked at last week and chatted about. Um, but very similar um, image processing differences slightly customized by the fact that it's on the 830, not the 930. And I would, rather than react now, Rafe, maybe we could save that and you could have a really detailed study of my examples and the comparator and so forth. And we could tackle that as one of the discussion points on next week's podcast. Yeah, I think it's a, a good one because I've literally just installed the update onto my 830. So I want to have a play around with it myself. I suspect we might be on opposing sides of the argument on this one. I think particularly with the 830, it's an interesting device that um, I think it's less one for the imaging purists. It's more for the, the mass market. And so actually, I'm probably more in favor of doing that extra processing. Um, and actually, I think you can also make an argument of why denim's better in general, even for the imaging purists. But perhaps you're right, we should... Uh, leave that to the next podcast i mean uh, 129 there'll be plenty more to talk about no doubt there'll be some more news i'm um, also kind of having the waiting period now for the preview version of windows 10 for phones um still haven't seen anything concrete on that there's been various hints dropped in in places and i think we can only say um what was said originally by microsoft that it's due sometime in february but that does uh, leave us with at least another 18 days so there's a good chance we'll uh, be back to talking about denim and imaging this time on the, <laughs> on the next podcast but we will try and cover some other things uh yes there's been some apps updates recently um i noticed that uh numia conversations actually wrote about npr which actually kind of us uh, public radio equivalent to the bbc here in the uk actually they've just released an app so if you're looking for some extra content on your phone that's uh well worth checking out so that's my kind of app recommendation that's nothing to do with imaging uh, for this week <laughs> and I would just like to highlight uh, that Tweetium, again, has had yet, yet another update, as has Podcast Lounge, Lounge yet another Woo-hoo. update. So some of our favorite applications constantly being updated and tweaked and revised. So I'm really quite impressed with each of those. Also that Netflix, there's a final footnote to this podcast, finally works again in my 830s. I can stop complaining about it, Rafe. Although rather curiously, in my story proclaiming that, that my 830 now has denim and Netflix worked, we had a few people saying that it's still, that it's still broken on their devices yeah, and presumably on 7735. So it does sound like Microsoft and Netflix have still got a few loose ends to tie up here and there. Well, at least they made Steve Litchfield happy, so they've got the important people sorted out. Indeed. Um, but uh, I will say about Podcast Lounge, one of the things I just want to give a real bit of praise to the developer, they've actually been fixing what I would refer to as background and performance issues, which are the things that kind of annoy you when you're using the app if they don't work in it. And this one particular instance, for example, was the uh, background sync functionality. And actually, Battery Saver was appearing to kind of block Podcast Lounge from doing these unattended downloads, which uh, if you're a regular podcast, listeners that absolute saving grace because then you can listen to the podcast even if you haven't got a connection um they actually now detect that that's happened and will prompt you to turn it back on again just a, a really nice feature because then you don't get that oh why did my podcast do well you might still get that but at least the application will try and fix it for you and i, I kind of wish that more app developers would spend time tuning performance and doing those kind of updates rather than a haste to add new features i think it's one of the things that windows phone has suffered a little bit from particularly from i should say this is really the big name brand applications where it seems to be oh we need to have a windows phone app and they don't quite manage to get it firing on all cylinders for the first release and then of course that first release ends up being there for quite a long time um it's not really anyone i want to go and name in shame but um you know there's a happy medium between doing the twitter style 
um, introduce the update sort of months after they've arrived on other platforms and then just have things being a little bit unsaleable. But it goes both ways. And uh, I guess it does get more complicated when you've got the Netflix situation when there's something broken in the background of the platform that's preventing updates. But uh, yeah, it is one of my favorite apps. It's one I use multiple times a week. Um, and so, yeah, if you haven't already downloaded Podcast Lounge, I'd thoroughly recommend it. It's definitely my favorite podcast application, I would say, on any platform. So, uh, yeah, big thumbs up from me there. I was also going to, going to plug a Photo Lab, which is a really rather swish photo um, editing and filtering application, but it's just crashed again. Uh, oh, and yeah. there was a good reason for this, and I will tell you all about it in the review, which will hopefully on the, on the front page around the same time you listen to this podcast. So watch out for that, but it's a, otherwise a nice interface. Um, Rafe, I think we're out of time for, for now, are. so we'll see people next week. Absolutely, yes. Uh, hopefully they can listen in on the next episode of the podcast. That will be in about a week's time, and there will be more imaging. As I said, there will be more apps and quite possibly other news to talk about as well. Also be heading towards uh, Mobile World Congress, where we're expecting to see and hear a lot more about Windows 10. So we might preview some of that in uh, 129 or perhaps in 130. But in, until then, big thank you to Steve, my co-host, for all his uh, hard work and for putting up with me rabbiting on endlessly about various things. And thank you to you for listening to the podcast. Indeed. And thanks to the kind words, the various people have been shouting about us on Twitter this week, I noticed, and saying that we're one of the, their top five podcasts. So thank you for that. You know who you are. Brilliant. But, yeah. Yeah, bye for now.